that was extra anyways, no charge for that. So we are talking about this latest and last piece of armor that we put on. Now, we actually have one more week, because next week we're just going to bring it all together, right? Okay, but this week we're talking about taking ground with the sword of the Spirit. And as I promised, the nights get cooler and cooler and cooler every week. Look at that one. That is cool. That is really cool. Now, there was another one that had wings, but you couldn't see them real well. That one was one of my favorites, too. But this one is just, you just picture this spirit warrior that Satan would just cringe to look at, right? That's what God wants to build us into. That's what he wants to produce in us, is this warrior that the enemy is incredibly afraid of. Because why? Does fear cripple you? Yeah, you bet it does. It, it cripples us when we're in fear. If you go, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Because there were people that got afraid, not me. All right, but other people. Our, our freshman year of college, and I'm playing football, and, and one of the things that we did as a, uh, uh, it, it was kind of, and looking back, it was really kind of stupid, but, but one thing you had to do as a freshman is they would take you out to this, this place called uh, uh, the Screaming Statue. Okay, it's dead center of this graveyard, and and it, it's in this graveyard back in the woods. It, it's it's actually on a on a, a, a all girls campus. Okay, but but you get in the back way through the woods. You go through the woods about a, I don't know maybe half a mile or something like that, just praying you're going the right direction, and and you got to go on a night where it's heavy moon, so it's lit up and whatever. You get back there, and and it's it's. Okay, this is kind of cool. It's, it, this screaming statue, I want to say, is maybe 15 feet high. And the reason it's a screaming statue is it, it, it has its hand up like this. And it has this little thing. So when the wind blows, it sounds like it's screaming, right? Okay. All that to say this. We had to stay the night there as freshmen. Okay, and and you go into this place, and now now not I'm not trying to bring a spiritual aspect into this. Okay, I'm just talking about fear. When you go into a place that you're not real comfortable with, that you don't know a whole lot about, immediately there's fear. Now I don't know about you, but but when I was a kid, one one of the things that was fun was to try and make someone else afraid without it coming back on yourself. Right? You, you just get into this mode of, of, well, I could be less scared than you. Okay, but what happens when you get scared? When you find yourself in a place like that, in a place where there's nothing around you, and you realize you're all alone, and you start to get afraid. Fear cripples you, doesn't it? You start to react in ways you wouldn't normally react. You might dive under a bush and just hide and just shake and just hide. Hopefully no one will see me. Or the opposite reaction, you just go off screaming, running somewhere, hoping that it's somewhere that's going to be less scary. Right? We, we react in, in ways that takes us off our plan. What makes you think Satan's any different? He's not. Satan is fear. 
Satan is the spirit of fear. It doesn't mean he controls fear. Understand that. Satan can be encompassed by fear. And see, that's what I believe part of the readying of the bride is. Is literally readying Jesus, is readying his people to learn how to be warriors for Jesus Christ to strike fear into the enemy. To strike fear into Satan himself. And when that happens, what happens? He gets off his game. He gets off his strategy. He's knocked off his plan. So I am convinced that's what part of this putting on the armor of God is. It's not just protective. It's aggressive. It's taking ground, as we have the title of the series called. It's literally taking from the enemy what he has held. And we do that by changing his strategy. The Lord literally changes his strategy through us because of fear. I've seen it. I've seen it. And it works. So we're on this um, sword of the spirit, which is the the last piece of armor. And let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to talk about this. Uh, We'll read up to where uh, I think it's verse 17, or verse, uh, yeah, 17. But we'll start in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole or entire armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil or the strategies of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole or entire armor of God that you may be able to stand or withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, then stand. And then he tells you what to put on to be able to stand. Having fastened on the belt of truth. The belt of truth is not just the word of God. The word of God stands on its own. The word of God's truth is truth whether you believe it or not. Putting on this belt of truth is wrapping yourself in the truth of the word. It's the application of the truth to your life. So put on this belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is first his righteousness through salvation but then our sanctification as we draw closer to him in relationship. We become more righteous as we draw close to him. Does that make sense? We draw more righteous in Jesus' eyes as we grow in relationship. Our, Our righteousness before the Father doesn't change because we're seen through the Son from the Father's eyes. But to Jesus... Jesus does see our sin. He does see who we are. He does see how we act and everything else. And what that hurts is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? So we put on this righteousness as a breastplate. Verse 15. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Before you strike out, before you go and do anything, you have to be ready to do it. There has to be a peace in your heart that this is what God's calling me to do. That's 
what the shoes of peace represent. Having a peace to move forward in what God's calling you to do. He gives you that peace as one of the fruits of the Spirit. He gives you that peace as we walk in that obedience and walk in that righteousness. So if you don't have peace in your life, if you don't have a peace that doesn't make sense because your, your circumstances are swirling, then you have to go backward and see why. See, okay, where is my relationship with you, Jesus? Where is my relationship and my righteousness and obedience with you? Because perhaps there's something there that is keeping us from that peace. Because he promises the peace. That's a promise, not just to the bride, but to each one of us individually. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And we talked about the shield of faith and how it's only by faith that you can walk with this armor. It's only by faith that you can block the attacks of the enemy. We talked about it right at the beginning, about being having this, this readiness of mind, having this expectation. Expectation is filled with faith, especially when you expect things that just don't make sense, <laughs> right? You fill that with faith, and as you fill up with faith, you're literally lifting up that shield, and you're, you're having that shield go before you. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. That helmet of salvation we talked about last week, that's not just our justification. Okay, it's our sanctification, but more so, the helmet represents your authority. You have to know your authority in Jesus Christ. If you are called to be a warrior, which you are as a saved person, I can tell you blanket right out, you are called to be a warrior. And, and that being the case and understanding that, you, bet, you better understand your authority. You better know, which the helmet represents, your authority in Jesus Christ. We talked about it last week. We're all brought into his family when we're justified. When we accept him as Savior, we are brought into his family. But it doesn't end there. As we grow in relationship with him, and, and I won't go over it. You can listen to last week's podcast. But as we grow in relationship with him, then so does our authority grow in him. That's why there are crowns that we can earn. There are five crowns that we can earn and many other types of rewards that we can earn. One of the rewards is that we will, we will serve with him as judges over angels. Okay, that's a reward, but that is also a place of authority. So as we grow in Christ, as we grow our relationship in him, our authority grows. So as a warrior, what do you do? You get good at what you do, right? If you're going to war, you better learn how to use the gun. You better learn how to, back then, better learn how to use a sword. Better learn how to defend yourself. Better learn how to aggressively go on offense. That's what we have to learn. And in doing that, we learn our authority and our authority increases as we learn that. And then lastly, here, middle of 17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, understand this. It doesn't mean that the Bible fights for us. Okay? It doesn't mean that, that if something's going on, I could just take my Bible and lay it on the table and deal with it. <laughs> right? It says it's the sword of the Spirit. That Spirit is at work in us that literally brings the Bible alive in our hearts. It's that application. It's the application of what He wants to do in our lives. It's, it's not simply just throwing Bible verses out at the enemy. Okay? And, we, and we've talked about that. You can memorize Bible verses, and when the enemy attacks you, well, blah, blah, blah. Get thee behind me, whatever. It doesn't mean that works if that's not applied in your life. It doesn't mean that works if you are living in sin and then you're throwing out this Bible verse at the enemy to leave you alone because he has no authority. You actually are speaking a lie because he does have authority. You're giving him authority. We give him authority when we sin. We give him authority in various ways, not just sin. We give him, do you know we give him authority when we lack faith? When we lack faith in what the Word of God says, we give the enemy authority. It's kind of like not opening what's behind door number one. Okay, behind door number one is the Word of God and all its application. Okay, which I've heard about. I haven't actually opened the door and really, really got to know it yet. And then door two opens up and there's this attack of Satan. And I'm standing there, Bible, <laughs> got to open the door. You've got to open the door and you've got, to, you've got to engage with the Word of God. You've got to apply it to your life. We have to apply the Word of God to our life for it to be our armor. You can't put on a shield of faith without applying the faith. I just want faith. Take up my shield. No, you actually have to have faith. You have to exercise faith. By the way, you have to exercise faith if you want more faith. It, it's, it's kind of like an annuity that you put in a single premium, okay? You put in this single premium, and it starts building upon itself as it's getting interest. Faith, as you take on this faith role, God puts you in places to exercise that faith. It's not that you have to put more faith in. You put in that faith role, he exercises the faith, he increases your faith, right? He increases your faith through trials, he increases it through waiting. You think he's increasing our faith right now? Yeah. Why? Because he needs faith. That's the currency of heaven. That's what pleases him. So the faith that he requires, he knows the level that it's at. And he says, I need to get them to this level before I can do what they want me to do. So then I'm going to bring them to that level. I exercise their faith. He does this as a body. He does this as a body, ignition body. But he does this individually. When you pray and you ask the Lord, I want your book for me. I want exactly what you want in my life. Nothing else, but I want it all. What do you think he's going to do? 
That's awesome. I feel so good. You want it? Here it is. No, see, there's a cost. There's a cost to everything. There has to be because Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price. There was a cost to him, a cost to the Father for him to even redeem us. So although there is no cost to our justification, no cost to us going to heaven, there is a cost to us growing in relationship. We've talked about this. I don't think this is anything new. It's just when we start paying the cost, we wonder what's wrong. What's, this isn't going how I expected. You know, Lord, I, I, you said this, I believe it, and, and, and it's been a week. I, it's just not going the way I thought it would. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe I misread what you said. Maybe, and maybe, 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 maybe. And what he's doing is he's building your faith. He's building your faith not to, not to come and take you off the path that you had gotten on, if, if it was seeking him, but literally building the faith so you're equipped to move down that path. You know, I'm watching this, um, I've said before, I'm a Gold Rush fan, right? Okay, Gold Rush. Well, the season's over. They all found their gold, whatever. Um, but they're doing kind of an addendum to it, which is really cool. Any of you that, that watch that, um, uh, you'll, you'll watch that the, the, the young man that's a part of this, it was his grandfather. For the last six years, I've watched his grandfather, you know, mentoring him, training him, whatever, all this stuff. And, um, and he died last year. His grandfather died, and that was just huge, huge in, uh, I don't know why his name's not coming to my mind. Parker, thank you, Parker. Uh, it, 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 it was such a huge, devastating blow to Parker, right? He, this, this mentor, and, and uh, uh, he had died, and, um, and so uh, basically what they're doing now is this addendum is they're, he's doing this, I don't even know what he calls it. It, it, it. It's like in honor of his grandfather, he's doing the original Gold Rush Trail. Okay, the Yukon Trail. Can't remember what it's called, but it's 600 miles. Okay, and 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 it's it's basically you know on foot, um, and then they have canoes, and and they're going up just this ridiculous train, everything else, 600 miles. Okay, and they picked just about the worst time of the year to do it because he had to wait till after the season. Okay, so they're going into frigid temperatures. This is in the Yukon. And they had to be prepared for what they did, right? They didn't just, you know, throw on a jacket, you know, throw on some boots, head out, and, you know, maybe grab a tent. <laughs> no, they didn't do that. Now, maybe some of the original guys did that. I don't know. But no, they packed everything they knew they would need. They not only did that, but they had to prepare themselves for what was coming. Just like anything that you do. If you play sports, you prepare yourself for what you're going to encounter in the game or in the meet or whatever. We prepare ourselves as Christians for what we're literally asking God for. Lord, I want my book. I want my book. I want exactly what you want in my life. And he says, okay, 
I have a list here of things that you've got to get trained on. Let's start. So as we go through that process, oftentimes it drags. Oftentimes it seems like, okay, did I miss the boat here somehow? But if we're truly seeking him and it's not a result of sin, then you've got to stay the course. You've got to understand that what he is teaching you are literally the fruits of the Spirit. He's teaching you how to have joy when there is no joy to be had. He's teaching you patience when the last thing you want to do is wait. He's teaching you love when the last thing you can give is love. To that person that, that, that you're dealing with and it's just so difficult. To let, Lord, let me learn any other way than to deal with this person. And he says, wait a second, that, that's on your training agenda. You, you want to skip it now? We're going to have to deal with it heavier later. See, he has a plan. When we give him our plan, he moves through that plan as efficiently as possible. All we have to do is be expectant. All we have to do is let him do it in our lives and trust what he's doing. We trust. We trust by faith, Lord, that that what you are building here will change lives. We trust, Lord, that more than that, because honestly, the changing lives is up to him. The growth, the going to the seven places, that's all up to him. But what we trust, Lord, is that this group that we have here right now, we trust that we will grow in intimacy with you like we've never, ever experienced before, individually and as a group. See, we can trust in those things because they're called out in every one of our books. No book is any different in terms of relationship to Christ. He wants us. To want him. And when we do this, we are given power. We're given this sword of the spirit that is literally power to crush the enemy. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 4. The sword of the spirit, when it's done in the spirit, understand, the sword of a spirit is a precision weapon. It's a precision weapon. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this. For the word of God is living and active. Right? It's breathing. It's active. It's living. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit. Of joints and marrow. And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, first of all, what it's talking about here is the Word of God, this sword of the Spirit, can look into our life and can divide what our mind says, which is our soul, and what our spirit says, which is our spirit. When we're saved, when we're justified in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 promises that we will be sealed with the Holy Spirit. Our spirit is sealed with His Spirit. And we are then covered permanently. 
But see, the word of God still can go in and differentiate between sin. Differentiate between what we do in our mind versus our spirit. See, our spirit's sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's sealed. It can never be tainted. When you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you cannot be tainted by sin. Your spirit cannot be, right? Okay, but our mind can be. Our mind can go all kinds of crazy ways. And so the word of God comes in and it can dissect between the two. It can recognize how the father recognizes we're, we're saved. And because he sees us through Jesus Christ, he sees no sin in us. So we deserve heaven because of Jesus Christ. But then he can look in our lives Jesus can look in our lives, in our relationship with him, and through the word of God discern what we do in our lives. He can discern what is obedient to him and what is not obedient to him. So we're talking about a precision weapon, a precision weapon. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10. Because this weapon is powerful. This weapon can be used for everything Jesus needs us to do. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, and, and basically what's going on here, just, just so you know, Jesus had been with his disciples, and, and he was, and when I say disciples, not just the 12, he was with a lot of disciples, teaching them, training them. So he picked out 72 to go out into the cities before he would go. He sent them out two by two ahead of him to proclaim his name, to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And then uh, that's kind of what's going on here. And this is the first time they had done this. Okay, they've been sent out. They had been trained. They had been prepared. But they didn't know what to expect. All they knew was what the Lord told them was going to, you know, what to do when this happened. So when they come back, this is what's, what's happening. They come back, verse 17 says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What he's saying here is he's giving us everything we need to fight this war. This war is not physical. We don't have anybody coming up to the door and wanting to fight yet. <laughs> we don't have anybody trying to physically come against us. But we have, in the spirit realm, an enemy that attacks us relentlessly. See, it's important to understand that we are given authority over that. But it's the opportunity of authority over that. Okay? That's why I explained what had happened in the previous chapters. See, these disciples that Jesus had sent out, 
He didn't just meet somebody and say, hey, go, good luck. No, he trained them. He spoke into their lives. He told them who he was. They believed who he was. They grew in relationship with him as he trained them. It's no different with you and me. He trains us as we seek him in relationship. He trains us from his word. He trains us from activity. We, we learn about faith in his word, but then he puts us through something that tests our faith and grows our faith. It's the literal application of the word. So, so as we do this, we gain the authority to literally, as it says, I have given you the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. That's talking about the demonic realm. Serpents and scorpions. It's not talking about snakes and scorpions. Although we could tread on those too. But it's, it's in the spirit realm. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This continues along the same lines. Paul here was saying, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, right? Okay, we, we, we all are in our three-dimensional plus time world. We're, we're, we're locked in by four dimensions. But although we walk in the flesh in those dimensions, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Which I'll refer you back to Ephesians 6. We won't turn back there, but Ephesians 6 says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, right? We wrestle in this spirit realm. So verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to what? Destroy strongholds. See, we look at this in our lives as the ability to let God work in our lives to to literally crush the strongholds in our lives. You know, any, any who have addictions, that's a stronghold in your life. Addiction to anything. Any time that we do perpe- what's called perpetual sin, sin that we know is sin and we continue to do it, that's a stronghold. And literally what it is, is Satan and, and, and his emissaries have literally built a fortress in your spirit that makes it difficult to get beyond that. Difficult to get beyond that. So there is an application of the sword of the spirit. There's an application of putting on the armor of God to be able to defeat those strongholds. You ever see somebody who is, who is strung out on drugs and they get saved and they get freed and it's like, that? If you haven't seen anyone, just look up Todd White, all right, on YouTube. You could probably watch about a thousand videos of him, and in 950 of them, he's going to give his testimony of what he used to be. He used to be a drug addict. He used to be a drug dealer, and, 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 and not, not these recreational drugs. He was strung out on heroin. He was... He was Everything about him was messed up. And he gets saved, and his whole world changed. See, it wasn't just the fact that he accepted Jesus as Savior. Why is there a difference? Because I've seen people that get saved, and they still struggle with these things. So what's the difference? 
Is, is it that God just loves Todd White so much more? Maybe God liked his hair. For those of you who know Todd White, you know what I'm talking about. He has dreadlocks down to here. Is, is Todd White special in that way? Are people special that, that he relieved them of that addiction immediately? What about the ones who don't? Are they less special? No. The difference is in our heart. The difference is in what we choose to do in our relationship with Christ. See, Todd pursued him with everything. There was nothing else more important. Only Jesus Christ. And he didn't even know him. He said, i, I got to get to know him. Because he just changed my life. I've, I've experienced power for the first time that I didn't even know was available. So that's the difference between the two. The breaking down of strongholds in our life can be assisted by others. But it can't happen through others. Because just like salvation, we have a will. God gave us a will of choice. We can make choices. We make a choice to accept him as Jesus accept him into our heart as our savior. We make choices to follow him and build relationship with him. But we also make choices to sin. We also make choices that I, I just don't want to do that right now because I want to do this. You know, these are all choices that we make. So the strongholds that we build in our lives can be assisted by other people in coming into our lives and encouraging us and everything else, but ultimately it's our choice. But see, God said when, when you are saved, you're given this opportunity to take the authority in your own life over the enemy that has built strongholds in your own life to destroy them, to crush them. Now, it doesn't stop there. Because, see, when we have done that in our lives and we're walking in this obedience and we're walking in this love, in this relationship, where we, where we just have, have this, just this love for Jesus Christ and, and building in relationship with him, he then starts to increase our authority, as we talked about last week. He increases our authority for what? To better handle our own lives? No. Because he expects you to go to war. He expects you to go to war for those who need that help. For those who have not come to that point yet. So, so we go to war, and, and as those that we go to war with, just like those 72, they were given authority to crush strongholds. Right? We're given authority when we go and we take ground. We're given authority to go and crush strongholds. Strongholds are not only in people's lives. Okay, understand that. That's really important to understand. In people's lives, they give the authority for that stronghold. But that's not the only stronghold. The Bible talks about re these regional demonic principalities that have power over areas. They have gained authority over those areas. And I won't tell the story again, but, but this is something that we faced in California last September. Something that, that I was told to go out and deal with and help deal with. This principality had authority over an area. And the Bible talks about that. These are, these are regional principalities. 
They're not, they're not something that goes in and, and affects individual people. They affect an area. And then other spirits are sent in to affect individuals. So this isn't just talking about breaking strongholds in people. This is talking about breaking strongholds that Satan has held for years. Strongholds that he's built in our government right now are being broken. Is that a crazy thought? Think about that. They're being broken. God told us over almost two years ago now to begin praying for our country. You know, he prophesied that, that his chosen man was Donald Trump and told us back then, and, and he said, but I want you to pray for my will to be done. So we, we, ever since the administration started, we have this nightly prayer call. I want to encourage you again to be on that. This nightly prayer call at 8.30, and what we do is we go before the Lord and do exactly what he told us to do. Father, we want your will for this country. Father, we pray protection over your anointed. We pray protection over the changes you're making. See, he engages us. And he engages his bride to, that, that have been given authority to go against those very strongholds. Now, does that mean that we march down to, to Washington, D.C., and we start wielding this sword? And, well, no, you probably end up in jail <laughs> if you do that. No, where is our battle? Our battle is on our knees. Our battle is in prayer. That's where you wield this power. So we go before the Lord and we say, Lord, your will. Your will. And when we do this, we start to see these changes. We start to see these changes in our government. And, and I'll, I'll guarantee you that so many of them don't even know what's going on. But they're like, all this stuff's starting to come out. And you, you watch. You watch. It's going to continue. Literally, Jesus is going to uproot evil that has been sunk in for so long, lies that have been sunk in for so long, there's going to become a transparency simply because the bride is praying for it and has the authority to pray for it. And it's not just us. This is the bride all over the world is praying for this. I know Cindy Jacobs has a call that they have 50,000. They have 50,000 people on this call every night. We've got a ways to go. <laughs> but see, it's the whole bride that's, that's praying for this. And, and I was telling Alexa and, and Wendy that it's so wild because we'll pray for something at night and we'll see it happen the next day. It's crazy. It's crazy. Lord, Lord uproot and make transparent things that are hidden. That's what he wants to do. You know, and don't think you're not a part of this. Don't think that your prayers, okay, yeah, but there's 7 billion people in the world. What does my prayer have to do with anything? Has everything to do with it. Because it's your calling. I can tell you the most wildest thing. This was something that came out long before the, the election. I want to say it was maybe in the summertime before the election. And, and I was reading or listening to this prophecy, had a video that my sister had sent to me of this prophecy, Mark Taylor saying that, that uh, Donald Trump, no, it was of 2015. It was two year, almost two years ago. 
because this, the Lord told me that Donald Trump would be president for two terms, and then literally, because I did not like Donald Trump, couldn't stand him, and I'm like fighting with the Lord. Okay, I'm just learning this gift, so seriously, I got that one wrong. And he kept telling me, no, no, no. And so Mark Taylor, my sister sends me this, this video of Mark Taylor who is prophesying that Donald Trump will be our next president. And that was the first time I had a confirmation of it. I said, okay, okay, Lord. Well, here was the cool thing. And I didn't recognize this when I watched the video until my sister pointed it out. And she didn't even recognize it at first. But it's, it's just a, it's him talking. So then they just put these random pictures on the video. If you go to YouTube, you'll see it. Just these random pictures. And I, I should have put it up here for you guys, but many of you have seen it. But all of a sudden, there's this picture that pops up, and it says at the bottom, Ignition will unmask the evils of Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. <laughs> what? Okay, okay, something's funny there. But then you look over on the side... And it's got some more. It's got 633. Okay, all right, Lord, this is just wild. But do you understand that you have a calling? Do you understand that you have a calling as ignition to engage in this warfare? The world is waiting for it. This country is waiting for it. We have a responsibility as the bride when we walk in obedience to him and you're given these tools and you're trained in this warfare. You have a responsibility to fight. You can't just sit back. I just love my training. Sit back, enjoy my training. Now I'm fit to do anything, but, but I don't really want to actually do it. See, immediately you're going to see the fruits of the Spirit fall away. Because, see, the fruits of the Spirit come with obedience. The fruits of the Spirit come in fighting for others. So, see, we, we do have these strongholds that are in other people, that are in areas that the warrior in Jesus Christ, a trained warrior, can come and can fight those very strongholds. We've seen it out in Africa. We're going to see it when we go in another month. Okay, you don't see that as much here where somebody writhes on the ground because they're possessed or has some kind of reaction because they have a spirit in them that doesn't want the word of God to be preached. That's a stronghold in their life. We can, as, as, as the warriors, we could come around this person. We can literally war in the spirit for that person. And we do. And then that person can make a choice to believe Jesus Christ. And then that stronghold that's been broken becomes sealed. Just like in Todd White. It becomes sealed. That stronghold is no longer a stronghold. And it's not even an open wound anymore. It's, it's like when you level a city, when you level a stronghold, it's just rubble, Right? There's rubble everywhere. But when Jesus Christ comes in our lives and, we, and he breaks down a stronghold in our lives and there's that rubble there, he takes a bulldozer and he just cleans it off. He cleans it off so there's no sign of it. There's no sign of it. 
Satan has nothing that he could come at us with to accuse because there's no sign of it. When we walk in obedience, it does that. I'm finishing up here. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6. And I just want to... We, we went through verse 17, but I just want to read verse 18a. Because this tells us how to take up the sword of the Spirit. We do it by praying at all times. Okay, verse 18 is a continuation of verse 17. It's not a separate thought. This just tags right on to 17. So we could read the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying at all times, what? In the Spirit. It, it's not talking about letting the Lord, or I mean just reminding the Lord of all the things you want. Well, I'm, Lord, I'm praying and I, I need this and my job needs to be better and I'm having this difficulty with this person you know, at school and, and I have this, I have that. Lord, I'm just trying to remind you because nothing's changing. Okay, it says prayer in the spirit. What does that mean? Okay, it means a couple of things. But bottom line, it means when we are not controlling what we want to pray for. See, it's controlling when I keep asking God and reminding him what I want. Unless I'm claiming a promise of his. Because then it's not what I want anymore, it's what he wants. But, you know, Lord, I've been asking you for this Jeep. Right? You know I'm a Jeep guy. I love this Jeep. The new Wrangler, four-door. But I need it, I need it lifted, God. Okay, I can keep reminding him and reminding him and reminding him, and that's not going to matter. That's certainly not warfare. Now, maybe he'll bless me with that. Cool. <laughs> but it's not warfare. Okay? Warfare is praying in the Spirit. Warfare is allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through me. It could be done in tongues. That's what tongues is all about, by the way. It's literally the utterance of the Holy Spirit speaking those things we don't know. Right? So that's warfare in the Spirit. But it's not just done through tongues. They don't think, well, okay, I can't war in the Spirit until I get tongues. It's not about that. It's about giving your right up to God. Giving your right up to the Holy Spirit and saying, I want what you want. Lord, just show me and speak through me and I will pray those things. That's why we know we're safe to pray his promises. But see, it goes so much further than that. As he teaches us his will and teaches us who he, who he is, calls us to be warriors to help other people, he then begins to lead us how to pray for them. And sometimes when we don't know, God makes it easy. He said, just pray for my will. You know, it doesn't have to be a complicated thing. When, when we go before the, the Lord and pray for the, pray for the uh, United States, I'll tell you, it's exhausting to try and figure out what's good and bad. It's exhausting to figure out, well, okay, th this health care plan is good, this one's bad, well, but you've got this part that's not good, and this is... <laughs> it's exhausting, especially since we don't have all the information. So Jesus said, oh, man, don't, don't worry about it. Just pray for my will. Just pray for my will. 
just stand before my father's court as a witness and say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So see, that's the real battle. That's the real power. You want to pray for somebody in their life? You want to pray for someone to give them strength and break strongholds in their lives? See, you don't know what it's going to take unless God reveals it to you. But if, you, if he has not revealed something, you don't know what it's going to take to reach people. You don't know what it's going to take to reach your family member that you've been praying for for 20 years. So you could just say, your will, your will, your will for their life. I come as a witness. I can't make the choice for them, but I come as a witness because I love them. I love them and love is powerful. First Corinthians 13 said it covers everything. So God, I am counting on you. I'm coming to your court in love. And I'm praying for their book. Because they can't yet pray for it. But I'm praying for their book. I'm showing up in court to pray for their book. You know, that's what Jesus did. That's exactly what he did for us. No different. He came down and he provided an alternative. And he prayed for each one of us, standing before the Father and saying, I want your book for them. And he was willing to give his life up for it. So how less should we give our lives up for his calling in our life? We have to. We're made to be warriors. It's important that we're trained. But then when we're trained, you become the warrior that you're called to be. Let's pray.